Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. This is Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Laura Roeder. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you. Uh, Laura is an entrepreneur and the founder of Meet Edgar. Uh, Meet Edgar is an online social media automation tool. We'll get into the details of what it does and what it offers small businesses in particular. Now, Laura began her entrepreneurial journey at the age of 22 when she quit a design job and decided to launch her first business. And so in 2009, she started a business called LKR Social Media, where she created online courses that taught thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners like us how to take their social media marketing into their own hands. And then out of that, we'll chat about how he emerged. But in 2014, she launched Meet Edgar, uh, which was in part driven by her need, her own need, that is, to be more effective in managing social media, which is such a big challenge. Uh, She bootstrapped that business, and we're going to dive a little bit into that because that's also compelling to all of us. And so in this episode, Laura's going to share with us her entrepreneurial journey, how she got to where she is today, launching Meet Edgar. And then we'll dive into social media for small business. We've covered this topic in many previous episodes, but Laura, of course, has a very unique perspective on it. And then this component that Meet Edgar provides, which is the automation component and why that's so important and how that can help us as small business owners. Laura lives in Austin, Texas. So once again, Laura Roeder, welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, you went to UT and that's, you stayed there. Did you grow up in the Austin area? I actually did. Yeah, I grew up, uh, I grew up here in Austin. I went to University of Texas and I moved away for about 10 years. And so I I recently returned. So I'm kind of an old and new Austinite at the same time. Yep. Yeah, it's changing rapidly, growing fast. Where did you go to? I'm assuming as you started your career, you must have gone off somewhere. Yeah. After college, I moved to Chicago. And so uh, you studied advertising, if I've got that right. Mm -hmm. Back in university, did you see yourself being an entrepreneur? What were your thoughts back then? I'm curious. No, I wanted to be a graphic designer. And I actually studied advertising at UT because I didn't want to go to art school. Um, I was really a designer, not an artist. (laughs) And um, the way a lot of art schools are structured, I mean, one, you do all the different fine arts, which I wasn't really interested in. And a lot of them don't have um, much academics. It's, you know, mostly an art curriculum. So at UT, they have this advertising program called Texas Creative, which I actually didn't end up even being able to participate in. Um, but the idea was that it was like a design program oriented towards the advertising field. So that's that's how I ended up studying advertising. And then I just kind of did design um, mostly self-taught and through internships and stuff while I was in university. So when did it hit you that you wanted to be your own boss? So I was working at my first job out of college um, as a junior designer at a small agency, and I found that it was a little boring to me to just do design. I think to people who love design, that's the dream to do design all day. For me, I didn't love it. So I found it a little bit boring just to do graphic design. And we were an ad agency, right? So 
all the strategic client stuff was really interesting to me, the marketing strategy and advertising strategy, and I didn't really get to participate in that side. So I kind of thought maybe I'd like to switch to the client side and do account services. And I thought, ah, that doesn't look so great either. And then I thought, okay, well, if I worked for myself, if I was a freelance designer, then I would also get to do the business side and kind of, uh, you know, all the different sides of what that involves. And I was definitely interested in the, in the time freedom of working for myself as well. So I kind of had that idea, you know, I was in a field where it's very common, right? There's a lot of freelance designers. It's a, it's a very common way to go if you're a designer. So I think that was also really helpful in making it a, a less crazy idea. So was was LKR social media initially just you, a solopreneur, freelancing? So, and yeah, that was pre-LKR social media. So I first, so yeah, LKR was in 2009. This was in, I guess, 2007 um, that I started working for myself full time. So yeah, I started out as a, as a freelance designer, just me. So that transition often for a lot of people going from a freelancer to actually building a business is a, sometimes a tough one, right? We, mm-hmm. we go from being a solar entrepreneur to bringing on people, delegating things. How was that transition for you? So, I mean, that was a very gradual transition for me. So I started out, you know, I think as a lot of people do with like a little bit of a few hours help here and there. And then it was many years before I brought on my first full-time employee. And Meet Edgar, now we have 33 employees. This is the the first business I've had that's been a larger business um, with a lot of employees. So, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's a bit of a natural delegator when... When people don't want to give away a task, I'm like, but then you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> that's great. There's someone else who will do it for so, you. So, that's, so always, that's always come to you naturally, you're saying. I mean, I, there's certainly been a huge learning curve in how to do it well. But I, I, yes, I've been someone who has embraced that idea of, oh, if I can get other people to help me, especially with the things I don't want to do, that sounds great. I can have other people do these things in the business that I don't want to do. What about marketing? I know uh, as I was doing the research, you had commented, I think, on another show about that being a hard thing to let go of because obviously that's what you're good at. Um, Have you done that yet or are you still responsible for marketing at Meet Edgar? Well, it's a it's it's a bit of a touchy issue because I've gone back and forth a lot. So, at the time of this recording, as of this week, um, I am heading up marketing right now. We've it's it's been a really tricky hire for us to find the person who's the right fit. So, um, we've had a few hires that haven't worked out. Right now, I'm heading it up myself, but um, it is something that we will hire for again. And obviously, I'm not. Well, I guess this isn't obvious, but I'm not doing the marketing. We have a team of people that's doing all that, all the execution. Um, so yeah, it, it's still, <laughs> it's still a challenge for me. And being a creative also, I mean, I, I struggle with this as partly why I'm asking f- about it because we, we feel, and, and hence the question about transitioning from solopreneur and freelancer to growing a business, we feel like only we can do it to our standards, right? And so I'm, I'm curious now, as you think back, what advice you would have for someone who's going to go through that transition about letting go, about understanding that, yeah, it may not be done the way I would have done it, but somebody else might actually do it better and, and adopting that yeah. mentality. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one, you do have to accept that someone else is going to do it at least different from you. Even if you love it, it's going to be different. 
then you would do it. And if you're not going in with that expectation, it is going to be a waste of time because that's what a lot of people see. They're like, oh, well, with all the time I spent back and forth on them, I could have done it myself. And it's like, you're right. <laughs> if that's how you're doing it, you know, if, if you're giving them an exact task, they're doing it. You don't like how they do it. You tell them exactly how to do it. Yes, you should have <laughs> just done it yourself. Right? right. So you need to go in it with this attitude that, that you're expanding your business. I mean, something that's really helpful I think to remember is that you will never get any more time in your day, right? I mean, the only way is if you have some life circumstance, usually a bad one, right? Maybe you were taking care of your mother and now she passed away and you don't have to do that anymore. Like it has to be some sort of major life circumstance to give you more time in your day. And usually it's just like you start having children and then you just have less and less time. Um, so we have sort of this fantasy, I think, when we make plans about growing our business, it's like, oh, next year I'm going to do this and this and this. It's like, how are you going to do You're still going to have the same amount of time that you had this year, but there is this big secret to adding more time, which is hiring other people because they have their own time that they can put into your business. So that's motivating for me just remembering if I want to grow my business, I need other humans to help with this project. What I want to achieve is way bigger than anything I could do on my own. Yeah, that's great perspective. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So then if I understand it correctly, Meet Edgar came out of in part uh, a desire and a need to automate some of this work you were doing in social media. Tell us about that. Yeah. So some something I discovered when I was teaching about social media is how few people see any social media update that you post. So a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't want to accept this. <laughs> you can look at your stats on the different social networks on Twitter and Facebook, and you can see the reach you're getting with any post. So the reach means what percentage of your audience of the people who choose to follow you saw the post. And it's generally about like five to 10%. We'll see any given social media update that you post. So that means that 90% of your followers did not see it right? That's the nature of social media. There's a lot. People aren't reading everything. That's, that's just how it works. So what a lot of small businesses do, I think kind of the old way to do social is write new status updates every day for the rest of time, which is really crazy when you consider how few people are seeing them. So I saw, oh, it really doesn't make sense to keep writing something new. You really should just have a great library of content that you can keep sending out over and over again, right? Especially things like your old blog posts. Why do you spend all this time writing blog posts, then send it out the week you wrote it on social, never again. That's what so many people do, right? You want to keep feeding those blog posts to your audience so they can discover them and, and get value from them. So before Edgar, you had to just do all this manually with the social media tools. So that's what I was doing. I'd keep a spreadsheet of all my posts and then I'd have to copy and paste them and getting the right mix of different categories was really difficult because you try to go through your blog, but you don't actually want all your blog posts to go out all in a row, right? You want to mix it up with other people's blog posts and your inspirational quotes and all the different things you post on social. So doing it manually was a real beast. So I thought, why isn't there a software tool that just stores an organized library of all my posts, cycles through them for me, keeps sending them out. So that's exactly what Edgar does. Yeah. And, and like you've touched on, it addresses a couple of key challenges for us as small business owners. One is that this thing that we, we think we have to create all this unique content on a daily basis. And to your point on the statistics, it's as if I was presenting in front of a room of people, a hundred people, 
and I talk about something and I expect a hundred people to be listening to me. The truth is only about mm-hmm. five of them are listening to me, right? Right. But, but And I've been doing this for a while and it's still, there's that thing of, well, am I repeating myself? Am I being yeah. redundant? Well, no, you're not. You're, you, you Trust me, you're not. There's not that many people listening. I'm not that important. And, and it's just the way it works, which is hard to understand, right? Yeah, I think a big, a, a big thing why this is hard to understand, we see all of our own social media posts. Yeah. So if I'm posting something, let's say once a month, I remember when I posted it last month and to me, I think, Ooh, I just posted that. Didn't I just go out? I remember seeing that recently. That's my perspective. I'm the only one who reads a hundred percent of my posts, right? No one else does. So to you, it will feel like a lot. You'll feel like I just said this. I remember when this went out before look at your stats. I mean, because that's the truth. It's right there in front of you. Look at your stats of how many people are actually seeing a post and you can (laughs) make yourself feel very reassured. People are not feeling like you're sending the same thing over and over again. Yeah. The numbers don't lie, but it's a great point. And it's also why this tool helps something like Meet Edgar helps because you're not uh, looking at it every time you're automating that you're creating a database and then letting the tool do the repetition, which is necessary. Exactly, exactly. So our philosophy is it doesn't matter how the post got sent out, you know, because what's cool about Edgar is you're, it's still your content created by you. It's not like some bot or some scraper like trying to generate content for you. You're still creating all of your content. So you know that it's all good quality content. And that's the important part for your audience. Your audience doesn't know or care whether it was sent from your phone or this app from your phone or that app, like that part doesn't matter. So that's what Edgar does is takes care of sending it out. So you can do the important parts, which is making sure the content represents your company and your brand. And then the engagement stuff, because that's what software can't do. Software can't respond to people. Software can't make friends on social media. And it frees up all of your time to do that relationship building engagement part. And what's cool is that part is also really quick you know, signing on to Facebook and Twitter, sharing some things, liking some things, leaving some comments, responding to some comments. You can do that in about 10 minutes, sourcing all the content, writing all the content. That's the time consuming part of social media. Yeah. And we're going to dive into that, that component of it. And, and it's also the part that's not boring. It's not repetitive. You're actually right. interacting with people, right. learning something, yeah. sharing something. Right. Yeah, it's fun. All right. Where did the name Meet Edgar come from? So it was a code name that we were using for the project. So um, I created Meet Edgar with my husband, Chris, and we'd had like a few little projects over the years and we named them names that sounded like older people's names. Um, So we had a Harriet, we had an Edgar. And when we decided, okay, we're going to launch this thing. This is going to be a real business. We brainstormed, we thought of all these startup-y social media sounding names. And we're like, I don't actually like any of these names. Wouldn't it be sort of funny if we just called it Edgar and there was social media software called Edgar. Um, so that's what we ran with. And it's been really fun because Edgar now has a whole persona. You know, we always call Edgar him instead of it. Like he's managing your social media for you. And it's just been a really fun way to connect with customers. Mm-hmm. So is that the little octopus icon? Is that Edgar? The little octopus is Edgar. Yeah. With his glasses on. I love it. And the meat, why did you add the meat part in front of it? That was just the domain that made sense. You know, we were looking at domains and we're like, okay, well, you're, it's a person, well, or an octopus in this case. So you're, you're meeting him. And then we kind of transitioned to meet Edgar being the company name, uh, because people were calling it that. And also when you Google meet Edgar, you always get us. So if you Google Edgar, you get a variety of things. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Then again, it's M E E T for those of you who are not familiar, 
Uh, so, and I love because it's an inviting term as well, right? It's like, come, mm-hmm. come meet Edgar, come meet this tool. Mm-hmm. The thing that's challenging about a name like this, and I want to go off on this tangent because it always fascinates me, naming a business is such a hard thing for people mm-hmm. in part because of what you touched on, which is all the domain names are taken, right? But uh, it's not a name that tells me what you do. So how did you deal and how do you deal with that? I don't know if you have a tagline or what were your thoughts on the fact that when I hear that name, I have no idea what you're about? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, everyone kind of has their own philosophies on naming. I don't personally think that's that important because there are so few products that do tell you what they do with a name. You kind of get to know uh, a product larger than that. You know, when you think of like consumer products that you buy at the grocery store, they're usually not called like, like Cheerios does not tell you it's a cereal. Now we all know it's a cereal because we know what Cheerios is, right? But you, you experience products in context, you know? And so when someone talks about Edgar, they're always talking about it in context. You don't just come up to your friend and say, Edgar, and they say, what's that? <laughs> you say like, oh, I'm trying out this new social media software. It's called Edgar. So I don't actually think that the name itself describing what the product does, I don't consider that super important when, when naming a product or a business. Do you think a tagline is important? Um, I think it helps to clarify your messaging. I mean, I can't honestly say that we have a super consistent tagline that we use. We're kind of always trying out different messaging and different positioning. But yeah, I mean, in general, I think if you have a clear tagline that explains what you do, that that's a good thing because it keeps your messaging consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great perspectives. All right, so you've bootstrapped this business, or at least you have initially. Have you taken any outside capital at this point? No, we haven't. No. And what was your what is your philosophy there, and what was your thinking on on doing it through bootstrapping? Yeah, so I, it's something I researched a lot because when I was launching this business, I knew that it was the type of it's software, right? It's the type of business you can raise money for. I had those connections. I, I knew it would be possible. And I had never raised money before. So I just talked to a lot of my friends who had, who had raised money for software businesses. And a hundred percent of them said, I would not do it if I didn't have to. They said, if it's possible for you to launch this business without raising money, that's what I would suggest. Um, And it was possible for me because we used money from LKR social media to fund Edgar. So we are bootstrapped. We're self-funded. I mean, just to clarify that we didn't start with $0. We did start with some money to put into the business, um, just our, our own money that was generated from the business before. And I think it was definitely the right way to go. I mean, now that I'm farther along and I do get all those offers for capital, I, I mean, one, if it's possible to start without raising, you can get much better terms later down the road. Like if we wanted to raise now, we're in the power position because we already have a successful product. You know, we have people that that want to give us money, um, which is cool. But I really wanted to maintain total control. I mean, people say everyone has a boss. Like, I I really feel like I don't. (laughs) I mean, I'm obviously beholden to my employees. There's a commitment that I've made to them to do my best job as as a leader and to keep this company going. But, you know, we're a one-to-many business model. We don't have like the one client that we're chasing around trying to appease. We have 7,000 small, small clients, which is just a really great 
way, I think, to run a business. Um, and I have total freedom in, in what I do with the business. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So you're up to about 33 employees. You're completely mm-hmm. remote. There's no office. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. And is that is that going to continue to be purposeful until as long as it makes sense that there'll be no home office? We will never have an office. Yes, we are. We are all in on remote. Um, I think having some people in an office and some remote is the most challenging combination. Um, that's where the communication can get really hard because you have some stuff happening in office and some remote. So, um, we are definitely all in on remote. All right. So tell me a little bit about that. That's obviously a a big challenge and you touched on it. The the communication is a big challenge. For example, my business partner, I live in Dallas and my business partner with whom I partner in a lot of things and the co-host of the show, David Begin lives in Colorado. And so it's a challenge right now. One of the things we try to do is we get together in person at least once a quarter. We try to use, uh, you know, uh, video conferencing so we can see our facial expressions because we found that a lot of times a lot of things get lost in translation and email and so forth. What of those or other techniques do you use to make sure you're still a big cohesive unit, even though you're dispersed? Yeah. So something we do a little different you know, I call it real-time remote. So we're not a global company. We're all in U.S. time zones. So there's, you know, that four-hour spread between U.S. time zones, but it gives us a good chunk either in the morning or afternoon, depending on where you are. You have a good chunk of your day overlapping with the whole company. So we run our company a lot like an in-person company. We have very regular meeting rhythm. So we have a company-wide meeting every Monday. Um, Each department has a Monday planning meeting, Friday retrospective meeting. Some of the departments have daily stand-ups. So we're doing a lot of real-time work. We're doing a lot of real-time discussions on Slack. We also are big on video calls. We do a lot of video calls. So we try to run things in a way that feels a lot like we're working in person and working real time where a lot of remote companies are are asynchronous, right? Because if you're globally distributed, you have to be, you have some people working while some people are sleeping. You have to have everything written. You're not having that real time communication. We've chosen to go a different route and you have to be really strict about it because since you're remote, you have people apply from all over the world and you think, oh, that person sounds really good and they're in Europe and they say that they'll work like later hours. For us, we have found that 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 really doesn't work. We need everyone working together, just together from their own home. Yeah, that's an interesting discipline. I love that. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. And I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are experiencing. And often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. So I can think of obviously some benefits, uh, not to mention the cost savings on having an office and all that good stuff, but what are the other benefits? Why have you taken this approach to making it a virtual company? So, I mean, I think the biggest benefit is, is uh, you know, finding and retaining talent, which when you are a knowledge worker company, I mean, your team is your company, right? Your talent is your company. So 
we're able to hire from all over the country and we're able to keep people, which I didn't realize how often this would come up that people would want to move. A lot of our team has moved cross country. Like sometimes it's a family thing. Sometimes their spouse gets a job. Um, of course, because they have that flexibility, some of our team has just wanted to move just for fun because they can, because they can live somewhere else. And you know, these are things that happen in people's lives, right? We're not a culture anymore that that stays in one place forever. So we have um, amazing employee retention and that flexibility is, people love the flexibility not only to move, um, but, you know, not having the commute, being able to be a little more flexible with their hours. And like I said, like we work during the day. So we do require that people have like a clear eight hour block every day where they're working. But some people like to get up early and be done by three o'clock, right? Some people like to get up later, finish six or seven their time. Like just having that kind of flexibility and also being able to change that. Like, oh, now I want to do a workout class in the morning every day. So I'm going to shift my day to an hour later that you don't have that in a real office. Yeah. That, that's a tremendous advantage because you're, you're attracting and retaining, like you're saying, some highly talented people that although it's a job, they're getting to experience that freedom of location, that flexibility of schedule that rarely comes with a quote unquote job. And so you, yeah, you, or, you attract and retain talent that would otherwise go off and do their own thing or move or, or switch jobs. You give them that flexibility and then you retain that talent. Yeah. And just the, you know, there've been so many little perks that I didn't anticipate, like also spending extended time with family. So we've had people that have gone, you know, they live in California, they're from Kansas. They, now they can go spend a month in Kansas. They can still do their work. They don't have to take a week off, right? Their family in Kansas can also just hang out in the evenings and weekends anyway. So it kind of works out for everybody, but now they can spend a lot more time with their family. I mean, the quality of life that that gives you is, is enormous. Yeah, which in return gives you an employee who's producing at a top level. All right, great. And and so curiously, one other thing that I noticed, your, your ideal work remote location is the Taj Mahal, if I've got that right. <laughs> why is that? Have you been yeah, there? So First fun. of all, have you been there? And then I, why? Have, I have been there. Um, have, yeah, okay. that's a little fun fact we have on our website. It's it's one of the most beautiful. It's I think it's one of the only like tourist attractions that I've been to where I've actually felt like, wow, this is this was actually under promised. This is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. This, it just feels incredible to be there. And usually when things are so touristy, it's like, eh, like the worst is the Alamo. You're a Texan. So you've probably been to the Alamo. That is the most boring, <laughs> underwhelming tourist attraction of all time. Where's the base? Right. right. Um, so, okay. So interesting. Well, I'm, it's interesting that you have actually been to the Taj Mahal. That's, that's a good thing to say. Well, interesting. All right, let's dive into a bit more on social media. We've been talking about it, but as it relates to small business owners, um, and I'm curious, I want to start it this way, if I may, how were you, of course, you were doing this as a business, but how were you and how do you today and how does that differ use social media to promote your own business? I know you don't have a sales force for me, Edgar. Do you use social media to promote your own business and how is it different when you started versus now? Yeah. So, um, we don't have a sales team. We only have a marketing team. So our business is hundred percent self-serve. I mean, you can talk to our customer service team, but we don't have a, a sales team for you to talk to. So people, you know, more or less find our website, do their own research and, and make that buying decision, um, with the information we give them. So social media is definitely a huge part of our strategy. We are, 
content marketing, online marketing, social media is a really important part of getting that content out there because people usually don't really link to your pricing page, but people share a link to a really great blog post that they read, right? That's, that's what gets shared online. So if you want to generate those links, if you want people to share your company for you, you really have to give them great content. And the way that that content is usually discovered these days is through social media. Um, I also run my own Twitter account. So we have company accounts under Meet Edgar, but then I have my own personal Twitter account, LKR, that I do everything myself for. Uh, well, me and Edgar do it. I obviously have Edgar send out the, the updates for me, um, but I'm managing all that myself. So it's a nice way to also stay very connected to the tool and still be a, an everyday user of the tool. And I mean, the, the big thing to do on social is just like send out your own blog post regularly so that they have regular opportunities to get discovered. I mean, I always say if people, if all people did was set up Edgar, put their catalog of blog posts in, even if you just sent out once a day, like that would probably be more consistent than what you're doing already. Because if you're not using Edgar, it's really hard to get that done every single day. Um, that alone would help out so many businesses because you're just, you're giving people that opportunity to discover you and, and share your stuff every day. Yeah, not to mention, like we talked about earlier, overcoming that resistance to feeling like you're being redundant. Uh, but what you're touching on here that I think is so important, Laura, for us as small business owners is I have to have created that content to then promote. And I think that's where a lot of us get confused. We think it's about that one-way blasting of my sale or new item or whatever. And that's not really what's effective, is it? Yeah. I mean, that should be a part of your mix. I mean, people are following your business. They are interested in your promotions. They're interested in what you want to sell. Because I have to say that because I see some business owners, like people are always on one side of the spectrum or the other. Like people are either selling way too much or they're absolutely terrified to sell. <laughs> and they're like, I don't want to mention what I actually sell because I don't want people to think I'm spammy. So you, you do have to do both, you know, don't be nervous about mentioning what you sell directly, but right. That's people aren't going to share that. You don't usually hit that retweet button on 20% off this week, you know, but you do hit that retweet button on an article that, that you really liked and you think other people will like too. Yeah. Good point. Good, good clarification there. It has to be a balance. I get that. The other thing I've heard from other people that I've talked about that, um, you know, help people with social media is that it needs to start with some sort of a plan or a strategy. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's so true. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming, but just putting an idea together of, okay, you know, what's going to be my basic posting schedule? Which networks do I want to be on? Also being thoughtful about that, because a really common thing that I see happen with small businesses and solopreneurs is like, you get all jazzed about social media and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like I'm finally doing it. You know, I'm on Pinterest, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. And it's just way too much work for one person to handle, especially when you're starting out. Right. So Edgar makes it way easier. Um, but even if you're using Edgar, you might want to stare stuff a little just, just so you can get a handle on it, right? Be like, okay, I'm going to figure out Twitter. I'm going to figure out what people do here, how people communicate here. I'm going to start posting to Twitter. Once I feel like I have that rhythm down, then I'm going to explore Facebook. And it just, it makes it less overwhelming. 
And it's kind of smart for building an audience because then you can establish an audience in one place. So it's like, okay, I'm going to get some followers on Twitter. I'm going to get that going. Now, when I start my Facebook page, I can tell my Twitter followers about my Facebook page and a certain percentage of them will also follow me there instead of kind of starting from zero on both platforms. That that makes a lot of sense. That's a great, great advice. Um, And then we've touched on this earlier, this challenge, and we just talked about it now, about the mix of that content that gets repeated, and I can use an automation tool like Edgar to help me with that, to repeat this distribution of my database of content. And then there's the flip side, which is what a lot of people say, oh, no, no, it's all about the interaction and replying and retweeting and having a conversation with your potential customer. You talk about that it's a balance of both, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you, I think you have to have a balance and, and that's what I've seen with our customers. So, you know, sometimes people come into Edgar think, sweet, I never have to look at social media again. I'm going to load up Edgar. I'm never going to log into my accounts. Generally that's not very successful. Um, because you do kind of from two perspectives. I mean, one, the, the social platforms themselves definitely want you to be there. So this is something that's talked about a lot on Facebook. People are obsessed with their Facebook reach, how to increase it, how to game it. Um, always the most popular topic on our blog. And it Facebook wants you to sign on to Facebook, right? No surprise there. They want you to sign on to Facebook. So Facebook does like to see you there having that live interaction. Facebook definitely rewards that exactly how they reward that is unknown. It's a secret. It changes all the time, but we can generally say they like it. So one, the social networks like it Two, Obviously your audience likes it, right? It's, it's, it's way more fun to be on social media, interacting with someone and talking to someone and knowing that someone has actually read your comment, right? Like who wants to leave a comment on a Facebook post that, that no one reads? There's, there's not much fun in that. So you, you absolutely need to do the engagement side and the posting side. Um, I will say you don't really need to post content live though. I think a lot of people feel like, okay, I could have some evergreen content, but then I need to like be doing my updates every day too. You can do that. You don't have to do that. Because again, think from your audience's perspective, right? From their perspective, they don't know what you did live, what you scheduled ahead of time. As long as it's good quality content, that's that's all they care about. So you can go in live and add your own stuff as far as new status updates, but you can also just have everything going out via Edgar, have Edgar send everything, and then yeah, you just go in and do the conversation. That makes sense. If I'm getting it right, is it fair to say that it's the engaging stuff, the stuff I do live, replying, commenting, liking, those kind of things is what builds my audience that then will respond and see my automated posts. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Yes, exactly. All right. So the other thing you talk about and and I'm challenged with often is like you said, you've got the meet Edgar account and then you've got your own personal account. And that's the other thing I've always heard is that that people want to interact with a person, not a business, Mm -hmm. But that's not often uh, necessarily doable. And and sometimes as small business owners, we may not want to put our face out there. We may want the brand to represent us. But talk to me about how I manage that. Is it, am I really missing out? For example, I have a small business. One of my small businesses is a self-serve frozen dessert shop, one location in Colorado Springs. And all of our online social media is in the name of I Top It, not my name. Right. Tell me about that. What I'm missing out on. Can that still be effective? 
Yeah. I mean, so you really, you have to do what makes sense for your business. Right. And I do agree that it's true that people connect better with people and people do like to know the human behind the business. But I mean, so you're, the dessert shop is a great example. It's going to be weird if you're looking up, it's a frozen yogurt shop. So yeah, if you look up a frozen yogurt shop and you find a Facebook page that says Henry Lopez, you don't feel like you found the frozen yogurt shop, right? You found you found some guy named Henry Lopez. So, I mean, you can't really make all of those social accounts in, in your name. It just, it's going to be too much of a disconnect for the customer. The customer knows I top it, not Henry Lopez. Now, that doesn't mean that the customer isn't interested in knowing who the manager or who the employees or, or who the owner of that yogurt shop is. And it can be kind of fun to see on that Facebook that Facebook page that maybe you're posting and you're saying, Hey, I'm the owner. Thanks for coming in. Like, thanks for leaving your comment. You know, you can combine the branding, the, the corporate branding or the business branding with your personal interaction. And, and that's what we do at Edgar, right? We have all of our branded Edgar accounts, but then I have my personal Twitter too, where I'm chatting to people as me. I'm sharing stuff as me because yeah, it wouldn't really make sense if you looked up the meet Edgar account, especially maybe you're trying to get customer support, right? You're trying to reach out and talk to us on Twitter and the account is my face and Laura, it's like, who's that? I'm trying, I'm trying to find the company meet Edgar. Yeah, so that balance, that makes a lot of sense. So, so thanks for that because that takes a lot of pressure off a lot of us. But in a case of like your business, it makes perfect sense where you have you as an individual and an authority figure and, uh, of knowledge in this area and the business. For the example of the frozen yogurt shop, exactly that's exactly what we do. And one of the things that has helped us there is in our logo, there's an icon. There's a little smiley face that is topper, just like you have Edgar. And that can often mm-hmm. be the face of it, if you will, right? So it's Topper yeah. speaking, and it ha- and he has a certain tone and a certain uh, message that is family oriented. But we post pictures of employees, just like you said. So that's that's a good explanation of how to balance that, and that it comes back to every business is different depending on what you're doing and who you're yeah. communicating to, right? Yeah. And also, you know, the fun thing about owning your own business is you get to do it your way. So if you're listening and you're like, I do not want to put my face on my business. That sounds like my nightmare. You don't have to. <laughs> you can you can not involve your personal social presence at all. Or maybe you just want to put your face and you want to call it Henry Lopez's I Top It, right? And your name's everywhere. Like you get to do it however you want to do it. That's the fun thing about working for That's yourself. Right. That's right. All right, a couple more questions here on this topic, and then we'll, we'll move on. Uh, content creation we've touched on, and the big challenge I have and other small business owners have is just making the time to create that content. It's usually not the focus of our business, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's mm-hmm. not what I do. Uh, tips, thoughts, uh, how you've helped other clients with creating that content, the blog post, or whatever it is that I'm going to share. Yeah. So if you have, if you're employing this strategy of, of keeping your content going on social, and I'll just say, so when I say the word evergreen, it means content that's still useful a year from now. Right. And the vast majority of small businesses, most of their content is evergreen because they're not, they're not writing you know, some journalistic report of investigating something that happened this day. They're writing, general philosophies, I don't know, frozen yogurt recipes, right? It's, it's stuff that's still useful. Why why frozen yogurt is healthy, for example, the health benefits. Well, that's not going to change over the next few years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about a profile of a customer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So if you have this idea that, that you're going to create evergreen content and that you're going to repeat it on social media, it actually takes a lot of the pressure out of content creation because I find a lot of people, it's very common for people to say, I had to write a blog post so I would have something to share on social media. A lot of people feel like they have to write something new so that they'll have something to post about. So this has sort of been, an, I think, an unintended consequence of Edgar. So many of our customers have said, you opened up so much space, not in my social media, but in my content creation schedule, because I've been blogging for two years already, or 10 years in some cases, right? I realized I don't have to keep freaking out about writing three times a week. I already have enough great stuff to share. So I just think that's a great strategy to think of as you're writing, because it's like, well, I don't have to write five things this week. If I want to share five days, I can write one better thing that I'm going to feel good that I can keep sharing in the future. Yeah, this is a great perspective, Laura. It's a big takeaway. Um, and it's, it's a great way to look at it. I just went through this. I wrote an article, for example, a blog post on the three benefits of franchising. And I wrote that like over a year ago. And I still found and I just shared it again, and, and I should be sharing it much more often than that. But again, it's that resistance to thinking, oh, I already shared this. It's repetitive. No, it's not. <laughs> nobody, nobody you know, the people who heard it last time are not the same people that might hear it this time. But that's a great perspective. And it does take off that pressure that I'm not writing an article for a periodical that goes out every day. I'm creating content that can and needs to be shared again and again so that people will find it and hear it. And that does take a lot of pressure off of it, doesn't it? It really does. All right, fantastic. Uh, any other thoughts, advice for small business owners who are getting started with social media? Most small business owners that I interact with, especially if they're early in building their business or just getting started, as to what you alluded to before, they get paralyzed or they try to be everywhere at once. And so yes. we talked about how that doesn't work. <laughs> There are better platforms yeah. to start with, depending on the type of business that you're in. Any other things that come to mind on where to get started? I just think you have to remember that it is it is painful in the beginning. And a lot of people stop way too early. So when you get started on social media and you're like, I feel like I'm talking and no one's listening. Like, you're right. <laughs> when you don't have... You, everyone starts out with zero followers, right? And those first six months or so can be really disheartening because you're putting all this work into your content and, and the response is just so small. But the cool thing about social media is it does organically grow and grow over time, right? That I mean, that's the cool thing about the nature of it. The more followers you have, the more potential you have for them to share, and then the more people, it keeps going, right? Their people are seeing it. Some of them will share. Their people are seeing it. So once you get your social media machine rolling, it will keep growing organically over time, but it is very, it can be very frustrating and very disheartening when you have those 10 and then 50 and then a hundred followers. And you're like, I got no comments. I got no shares because it does take a while to build up those numbers. So I would just say, don't throw in the towel too soon and, and stick with it. Great, great advice. Be patient. And then a, a tool like Meet Edgar helps with that because you can automate it yeah. and all the benefits we've talked about. But that other psychological benefit is I, I'm not, because I'm leveraging that tool to help it repeat for me, it's not me every day posting the same thing, starting to get bored with it, starting to feel redundant, right? Um, yeah, yeah. 
All right, great. Let's segue off of that and we'll start to head towards the end here. Question I have for you is what do you love most about what you do today? Oh man. I mean, I love that it's something new every day. I think you have to love that (laughs) to be an entrepreneur. I think if you hate that, it'll get really frustrating really quickly. Um, every employee, every customer that we add is a larger business. And then it's the largest business I've ever, well, not only run, it's the largest business I've ever even worked at, (laughs) you know? So it's like new, new problems come up, new opportunities come up. Um, it's, it's never boring to run your own business. I love that. All right. So we've touched uh, obviously and talked about meet Edgar, but, uh, give me the quick brief elevator pitch on what it is. Oh yeah. Well, I think, I think people know at this point. So I would just say the time saving is the biggest thing. You go from having to post all of your social media updates yourself or your VA, um, every day to having a tool that just handles that for you. You've already created the posts, might as well load them into Edgar, let Edgar send them for you. Great. Is there a, a book that you've read or recently or reading that you would recommend to us? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite business books is, um, scaling up by Vern Harnish. It used to be called the Rockefeller habits. So that's, that's the same book. And it is just like the how to book for running a business. It's amazing. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. We'll have a link to that in the show notes page of this episode at the how All right. Final two questions, Laura, just a parting piece of advice, thought, something I didn't ask you about especially as it relates to either, you know, scaling a business like you are starting a new business or on social media, anything else that comes to mind that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, make it live and then improve it from there. So it's, it's so easy to spend time perfecting things, analyzing things, being worried about put them, putting them out there. I mean, even a single tweet, right? You can agonize over the best way to phrase it or finding the best image for it. The most important thing is to make it live, put it out there. Then, then you can see what kind of response it gets or no response or I wish I'd done it differently like this. And, and then you have an opportunity to do it better. So stop agonizing over the work and just publish it, get yeah, it out that's there. Great advice. Was that, is that, was that always you or did you struggle with that? I mean, I think it's, there's individual projects where I definitely struggle with. I think we're always reminding ourselves as a team, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get yeah, it out yeah, there. I've struggled with it tremendously. And that's a big lesson that I've been learning over the last few years is to, to iterate as opposed to trying to get it perfect the first time. All right. Fantastic. And uh, tell us where you'd like us to go online to find out more about you and Meet Edgar. Yeah, you can find Meet Edgar at meetedgar.com, Meet Edgar on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can follow me on Twitter at LKR. Wonderful. And if you weren't able to write that down, we'll have links to all of that on the show notes page as well. Laura, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Thanks for sharing your knowledge today and your insights and for being with us. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest was Laura Roeder. Thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.